Hey, what's up, sci-fi fans? This is Aaron Eisenberg. You know me from Star Trek Deep Space Nine as Nog, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Thank you all. This episode brought to you by Michael Crate and James Husband. Special love goes out to Lee Kemp, who manages our Facebook page. If you like what you're hearing here on the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi, spelled the right way. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today. Audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. Engage. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we serve up interviews, news, and our view on the world of science fiction. Come, grab a chair, and enjoy the conversations. I'd say we've got an unexpected guest. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. Yes, who's coming to dinner? Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. I'm Dave Sellers. And tonight we are bringing you a special episode of an interview that we, or I should say I did not, but uh, uh, who did the interview? Was that you, Dave? Was that you, Miles? That was myself. uh, All right, so Miles. Miles did the interview. An interview that we did with Jay Smith, who is no stranger to the show. He's been on the show before, but it's been a while. And Miles, you had a chance to catch up with Jay Smith. I did. Uh, so, uh, in conversation with Jay, with with with, with Jay uh, at Farpoint this past year, you know, I realized you know Jay has been busy with um, you know putting out some books and you know with his audio dramas. Thought it'd be a good good opportunity to, to catch up with him and, and give listeners an opportunity to get familiar with Jay and uh, uh, some of his projects uh, and uh, check out some of his good books. Oh, good, good. And uh, Dave, did you get a chance to meet Jay? I don't believe I did. Yeah, he ran a podcast called HG World for the longest time. It was a zombie survival podcast. Um, and uh, 10 years ago, that thing was running. And it won uh, some Parsec Awards. And um, But he's kind of moved on to more writing. Although you said, Miles, he might have an audio drama coming down the pike here. I, I think so. I, th- I think I understood that correctly, uh, that uh, he, he is, yeah. All right. All right. Well, very good. Well, so that's exciting. That's exciting. So if you're looking for a new audio drama, uh, Dave, and you're looking for some zombies, it's good. Em was actually one of the voice actors in that. That's kind of it's because of Jay Smith that M ended up in the show. No kid. Yep. I believe so. I believe that he kind of introduced her to us and then... Yeah, that's how she got kind of roped in. So, oh, cool. It's Jay Smith's fault, but in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. All right. So, we're going to share this interview with uh, you from Farpoint this past year, Farpoint 2019. And we hope you enjoy it. And we aren't going to come back afterwards. And then we'll just share this interview. And then we'll be back in uh, a week or so to talk about the last of the JJ verse Star Trek movies. Is that right? That's that correct. And that's which yeah. movie? That's um, Star Trek Beyond. Thank you. I was going to say Beyond, but I was like, I doubted myself. So very good. Awesome. Well, I believe that's about it. We'll see you next time.
ladies and gentlemen, we're at Farpoint 2019, and we're hanging out with uh, writer and Parsec award-winning audio drama producer, Mr. Jay Smith. Jay, welcome, and thank you for taking time to talk with us in the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Delighted to talk to you. All, all of us have something to start our foray into, something we're interested in. For you, what was it that got you liking uh, sci-fi and horror? Oh, wow. Um, I grew up in the 70s, so you could not avoid it. Uh, Saturday morning cartoons and after-school shows were rerunning Star Trek and Batman. and So it was very difficult to not get interested in what was just being put in front of you constantly. And as soon as Star Wars came out, that was... I think everybody my age was was transported. And and after after that, all of our play sets and our action figures were science fiction. So I I think as a kid, it resonated with me because it was escapist. It wasn't... Yeah, I'd come home in the afternoon and it would be, um, thank you. <laughs> it would be, um, you know, soap operas at the end of the day and, and PBS and that was great. But, um, it, it started my mind, um, toward the what if questions and how you could tell stories in a different way and in interesting ways that, uh, you could, you could tell a story about politics or religion and not talk about it directly. You could introduce a surrogate in science fiction and fantasy. Right. So that's what, yeah. Writing a book or an audio drama is a very ambitious undertaking. However, you're not only been able to do it, but you've been an award-winning audio drama producer and a published author. What inspired you to take on such a ambitious projects? Uh, I grew up with audio drama. My parents were much older than I was. My, my parents are of the great generation. Uh, my dad was born in 1920, so I grew up in a household with uh, my brothers and sisters being the boomer generation. So I, was, I had a nice mix of, of rock and roll, but I also had records of the classic radio drama series. And I always thought that those were far more interesting and a, a more compact way of telling a story and, and economically telling a story. Um, so I've always gravitated toward the mind's eye, where I, I didn't have to worry about showing you the monster, but implying the, a thing that's already in your head, which is always far more horrifying or beautiful or uh, fulfilling than something uh, that Stan Winston would create or in CGI. And I, I, I was gratified when broadband allowed a lot of us who were feeling the same way to come out of our, our little isolated clusters and get together and tell stories that way. It was a very energizing time in the last 10 years where storytellers who preferred the oral medium could just could share ideas and look back on the old time radio dramas and you know, update them for a new millennial audience. So you're probably exposed to Orson Welles, War of the Worlds. Uh, that scared the hell out of me growing up. Um, and X minus one and all the anthology series, which were based on the pulps. And I, I I never read the pulps as a kid for some weird reason. I didn't get into those until later in life. But they were always interpreted into into audio. Some of them made it in the Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, but a lot of those pulp niche stories were, were captured very well on, on anthology sh- radio shows. So in your audio dramas, you focus on the story of people surviving the zombie apocalypse. The idea of zombies ha- has enjoyed tremendous popularity and success in many entertainment outlets over the last two decades. The TV show Walking Dead has still been going strong for, since 2010. Why, for you, did you choose to explore in your story people surviving the zombie apocalypse? Ten years ago, it was really hot. It was uh, the beginning. It was a fresh uh, resurgence of the genre. I, I like telling stories about survival because it, it allows us to, to talk about human drama in a way that's interesting to the, a speculative fiction audience. Um, 
once you decide, once the listener is, is convinced how to handle zombies, they're no longer scary. So the core of the story is the people involved. Uh, and I like talking about if, if we take away one important aspect of your life that makes you feel secure, how are you going to act? If I take away, um, if I take a filter away from you and, and you have to engage people in a certain way, uh, how would you, how would you be different if you can't drive to work anymore? Even in an everyday scenario, your car breaks down. What do you do? There's a panic and survival mode at that minimal level. But what if your, your, your home break, home burns down? How do you change as a person? Those, those kind of stories fascinate me. And in a survival situation, when you pit people against each other who are all struggling with the same conflict, how it's interesting to me as a writer to try and pit those people together and deconstruct them from the first world person that they present themselves to that that very uh, raw core individual and explore that character. My experience when I'm watching a show like The Walking Dead is they sort of suggest that the zombies are bad guys, but they aren't really. It's everybody, you know, it's we're the bad guys in some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, and I think uh, The Walking Dead and, and HG World were based on, oh, in part, on looking at how people treated each other during Hurricane Katrina and how the best of people came out and the darkest side of people could be could be chronicled. And in that is, is drama, is conflict at the core of every story, and every interesting story. And when you get a lot of different people together, it becomes a, a, a mix of uh, plots and subplots, and uh, heel turns and face turns for characters who you think are going to go are going to go diabolical, but then they turn heroic and they realize that uh, they they were selfish all their lives and now they realize that they have to be they have to work with other people and they transform themselves for the better. It's, it's, there's a lot of storytelling opportunities in survival horror uh, that keeps it fresh. Yes. Even ten years later, we're still we're still watching Walking Dead, uh, even though the genre and fiction and other media media is is tapping out i think yeah it's it's not as popular as it was 10 years ago. yeah we're still able to tell good human stories within the genre uh, so you you have a huge body of work where's the best place for people to find these audio dramas and enjoy uh you can look at at jsmithaudio.com i'm on itunes and on spotify under jsmithaudio productions um that's basically the best place to download or stream it uh, I have a podcast called Why, where we discuss how to write and why we write primarily. When we, it, I work with a lot of writers. I graduated from Seton Hill, which is basically a, a fantastic master's program in, in creative writing. And a lot of us just, we spend a lot of time commiserating on t- as to why we spent the money and why, where is it all going and why do we do this foolhardy thing when we could have gotten a degree in something practical like what you do. Um, we could, we, and how do we make money out of this? Why? So I created a podcast where we all get together and, and talk about our struggles and uh, what we do to keep moving and how we how we can make it profitable for ourselves. And, well, that's good. I mean, for other aspiring writers, they can probably yeah. get some help and inspiration. Yeah. So you can listen to that and Hidden Harbor Mysteries, which is a, a noir throwback to the golden age of radio and HG World and other shows that I've, I've written, all are in at jsmithaudio.com. Cool. Now, you're also a published author, and you've written about some, somebody's story surviving a zombie apocalypse. I know you have this book called The Diary of Jill Will Be, without giving spoilers, what, what's, what's her story about? Uh, Jill is a, a uh, 
spinoff from HG World. It's it's the story of HG World told through the perspective of a 23-year-old journalism student uh, who all she really wants to do is get home, but that's no longer an option, and it follows her journey through uh, the destruction of humanity and how she, she goes on this journey of, of self-discovery in a way that she just got to college and she came out and she was very, for the first time in her life, she's comfortable with herself and the zombie apocalypse happens. And circumstances force herself to repress that aspect of herself again and how she copes with that while also uncovering a mystery that's at the core of the HG World universe, the, the source of the zombie apocalypse and a possible uh, cure. Now, you shift gears in, in, your, in a book called The Resurrect, Resurrection Pact. Can you please tell us a little, a little about that story? Yeah, uh, it was my master's thesis at Seton Hill, and I wanted to tell a story about people who live in the real world and in virtual worlds. Uh, early on in the, the 2000s, I spent a lot of time in Second Life, and it was it, for me personally, it became boring quickly, but interacting with people and seeing how that virtual world changes them and, and in many ways heals them and makes them... Um, more comfortable socially, I, I found myself interviewing people talking about the reasons that they stay in Second Life. And they became interesting characters. Uh, Resurrection Pact is about a man who sees this in people and is able to manipulate them into wanting to stay in that world longer and longer, so long that it becomes their primary life, that they're satisfied in such a way that uh, they don't want to go back to their real world. And in fact, I've interviewed people who, who consider their second life or their virtual life to be their primary existence, which to me is, is, is scary, but for a lot of people, that's a way that they, the only way that they can feel comfortable or survive, um, whatever anxiety or challenge exists for them in the real world. I, have, I interviewed one person uh, just to kind of get background on what she... She was a lounge singer at a, at a blues bar. And that was her job. And it's a, she would show up and she would play these blues albums and she would talk to an audience of, of... A virtual audience of dozens every Tuesday and Thursday night. And I got to know her. And she does... She she presents herself as, this is, this is what I do in Second Life. But as I got to know her, I realized that she had a, another life where... On Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, she would come home from work and to an empty house. She would log on, and she would log on to a home. She would log into a home that she and her husband, her virtual husband, had built. And she would go through the motions of cooking dinner, straightening up the house. Two virtual children would show up, coming home from, from virtual school. She, they would immediately be instructed to go do their homework. She would prepare dinner. The husband would come home. And they would have this, what we would consider in the real world, a very normal suburban life. And she invited me to this world, and I, I, I came over for dinner one night, which was really interesting. I want to say weird, but that's, that's, that's just a reflection on me, not on them. But showing up and being introduced to this virtual husband and these virtual kids, all in character, uh, we had very uh, real conversations. And I thought, this is a, an interesting world that we could explore in fiction. Uh, the the end of the day, the children were tucked in bed. The husband and the wife would watch a video within a video in their virtual house, and then the, the two of them would go to bed. And the whole scene would end with everybody logging off and vanishing in their respective rooms. And they gave me permission to kind of like lurk and see how this all played out. And then I interviewed them as people. And it turns out that these are people who had that. 
and they lost it. And they connected in the virtual world uh, as people, and they, they shared their tragedies with one another. And somehow the four of them gravitated toward one another, and they created this fiction. The kids were actually adults who had lost their parents when they were young, and they were reliving this experience through Second Life. And they felt this, these hours three times a week were better than therapy because they would come home and being given direction and support the way that they'd lost gave them purpose. I came away from this, this really interesting experience with this idea that uh, Second Life in, in, the, in my novel, the, the world that I create that's similar to Second Life in Warcraft, people log in and they stay longer and longer and they, they become part of that world. They swear an allegiance to Realm Eternus and its, it's uh, lord. So it, it, talking about it in that way makes it very real. It's very, it's very easy to dismiss people who log into games and spend hours there as, as a little fringe But there's a, real, there's, there's a real psychological need that's fulfilled by being somebody else for a while. And that's what I wanted to explore in this book, how people are manipulated into uh, doing things uh, just to be able to stay in that world and earn status in that world the way we would in the real world. When we buy our, our fancy cars, or we try to upgrade our homes, or we want the we want the, the status symbols, uh, how that translates into a virtual. Cool. So, what's next for you creatively? Can we see a new book or audio drama coming in the not too distant future? I'm combining um, audio drama and the story of the Resurrection Pact in a new series called A Deadly Con. Uh, it will be a, uh, a, a basically a default sequel to a Resurrection Pact. I think of it about it as Raymond Chandler meets Bimbos of the Death Sun, where the, the, we have a, an insurance investigator who's thrust into the world of a Dragon Con scale convention. Um, somebody dies, and he has to figure out why. Uh, so we're, it's a tour of all of the things I love about pop culture and conventions, and all the writers that get together, all the, all the A-list geek celebrities, all the A-list real celebrities, and, and those fringe hangers-on, the, the really cool people who you, you just the cosplayers and uh, the, the gamers and just try and, and identify and celebrate the cool things that we love about, about things like, like uh, Farpoint uh, and add a mystery to it. But the collaborative element of theater is what's attractive to me because I want to bring real people from conventions, real writers on in Cameo to give it that realistic flavor and tell people on the outside, this is a really cool environment to bring your kids. It's a great place to... Oh, murder aside, obviously, it's a great place to just kind of hang out and and you know, it share, uh, you know, follow your bliss. You know, get instead of going somewhere for the weekend that's just this, a disposable kind of uh, entertainment. Come to a convention and meet people and share your passions with them uh, and tell a good story at the same time. And where can, where can people find your books? The books are in jsmithaudio.com or on Amazon. Uh, I have Kindle books. All of my Kindle books are a buck. And there's audio versions of The Diary of Jill Woodbine read by the wonderful Veronica Jaguer. You can download that for free on jsmithaudio.com. Wonderful. Jay, thank you for taking time to talk to us today. Hey, thank you for listening. Appreciate it.